Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And in year three of Screen Verdict... Yes. Screen Verdict continues with another podcast. This week we're reviewing The Lone Ranger. Which I think is very fitting, because I see myself as a bit of a lone ranger on this podcast. And I do often walk around with a dead bird on my head, so... Yeah. So you go, I have worn a cowboy hat on the podcast. <laughs> Finally a duo yeah. where we know who's who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this is uh, a bit of a predicament for me, though, this movie. Mm. Because there has been murmurings around that this is the worst movie of all time. <laughs> People have been saying this. I read an article saying that it's been declared the worst movie of all time by people. Well, you said this to me, and I thought, oh, there must be some bad reviews. But the article you showed me literally said worst movie of all time. Yeah. Oh, that's quite a statement. Now, this is my predicament. I gave Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 <laughs> no stars, or no, a 0 out of 10. <laughs> I can't go any lower than that. <laughs> so what if this is worse than Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1? It's been a very trusty system to us, the 0 to 10 system. I don't know if we can go outside the no, 0 no, to 10 system. No, no, I don't system. think either. So I'm, I'm, I'm screwed if this is worse. <laughs> you might just have to give it a 0, and then maybe we do a podcast where we rank the zeros that we've seen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get to that bridge when we cross it, if it isn't blowing up. <laughs> no, I saw the trailer for this, and I thought it looked a bit average. I wasn't really that excited to see it. But then when you showed me that article, I was a lot more interested in seeing the film. Mm. If you see a really mediocre film, like, who cares? But to see something, it could potentially be the worst movie of all, a $250 million disaster, mm. train wreck. Yeah. That's actually quite interesting. Yeah, there's something really satisfying about watching such a big sort of fancy film with big names attached to it just completely go up in flames. <laughs> um, I think there's people who go to see car races that like want to see just some expensive cars crash, right? <laughs> so, full disclosure, we were a bit late to the movie. Based on the time listed on the ticket and the time we got in there, I estimate we probably missed it about two minutes okay. of the film. <laughs> when we got there... The kid was already talking to old Tonto. Yeah. So you can tell us how much goes on before the kid talks to Tonto. Yeah. Probably him walking into the room, <laughs> I would imagine. So so this is sort of, I guess, the setup of the movie. There's this little kid. He's a big fan of the Lone Ranger. He's got the costume. Mm. And he comes across in this exhibit this Tonto, this old pretend Tonto guy, who claims to be the real Tonto and tells him the story of how the Lone Ranger became the Lone Ranger. Did we like this? Not overly. I thought the film didn't really need much narration. There wasn't much narration. So for us to cut out of the time period that we're actually watching and enjoying to go back to the kid, even though there were a couple of humorous exchanges between them, didn't really serve much of a purpose. Yeah, I felt it held up the film quite a bit and sort of was used almost as a band-aid to cover up plot holes in the <laughs> film. Like, they'd often be the kid going, hey, wait, how did that work? And then you go, oh, I've explained that already. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not even cover up plot holes, but point them out. Like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know the purpose of those scenes. 
I think it was just an excuse to have something exciting happen and you didn't know how it happened. And then they could just use him to cut back to something earlier, which wouldn't really make sense if you were just telling the film in a linear fashion and go, here's something we prepared earlier. Yeah. And then go and then continue with the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't love it, no. no. So the film's not about some little kid in a cowboy hat talking to an old man. It's about the Lone Ranger, right? That's the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. So what's sort of his deal? I spent the first half of the film trying to work out who the actor was. No. I finally got there. I was pretty sure that this guy was in the social network. Mm-hmm. There's the two twins that sue Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. And I was thinking, you know, this is a pretty big role to be a lead in a Disney film with Johnny Depp. Mm. Like, how much does that suck if you're the twin that doesn't get the job? Mm. Or are the twins just sort of, like, alternating in between scenes? Like, that always happens with babies in movies. You know how there's a baby, and then in the credits, there's, like, four babies listed for, like, yeah, that yeah, part? Yeah. Like, did both the twins play? Ah, well, you're wrong. <laughs> it was um, Army Hammer played the Lone Ranger, and only Army Hammer. But at the same time, both of the twins from the Social Network played the Lone Ranger. So see if you can solve that riddle. So it was in in the social network. Yes. But it's just the one guy. Are you telling me that they just, like, CGI'd two army hammers into the social network? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they did it, but there was some trickery and uh, some some movie magic, and Army Hammer played both the twins in the social network. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, there you go. I'm glad one of them didn't miss out. That would be... Mm. No one likes being the worst twin. That would be... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess he doesn't like being the worst brother Mm. in the film. Yeah. It would be even worse if they were twins. Mm. So, we've got um, this Lone Ranger, and I guess he's a defense lawyer. No, he's he's a prosecutor. He's a district attorney. He's a district attorney. An educated man. Yes. And so he comes to this town. There's this guy called Butch Cavendish who is a pretty, uh, sounds like a pretty prickly character. He's done a few things. We might talk about him a bit later. And I guess his aim is sort of let's bring him to justice, let's, you know, the, the American way, all that sort of things. But ends up there's a bit of corruption. Uh, Butch escapes. Um, a lot of the other uh, rangers sort of disappear, and he sort of ends up having to put all the pieces together. Alone. Hmm. Well, not really alone, though. Well, I mean, he's with Tonto. But without me saying that, it doesn't really help me segue to that's why he's called the Lone Ranger. This is a good point. Why is he called the Lone Ranger? Because he hangs out with Tonto all the time. (laughs) Is it because he's an American Indian? They're not counting him as a person. Is that like, (laughs) like... I think it's not that he's not a person, it's that he's not a ranger. Oh, okay. When he joins the posse, he gets given a ranger badge. Mm. Uh, so I guess he's the only ranger. But I don't think they were letting many Indians become rangers back then, right? <laughs> I think there was probably some discrimination in the... Yeah, I think yeah. if you're an Indian walking around with a ranger badge, they're going to ask you where you got it. Yeah. As opposed to respecting yeah. the Indian ranger. So, um, 
Like, you can say it's not racism. It sort of is. <laughs> and I guess something that makes the Lone Ranger the Lone Ranger is his mask. Hmm. He's got this leather... Yeah. It's not a full face mask, sort of like an eye mask. Hmm. It is supposedly made out of bullet holes. I think that was yeah. kind of convenient. And those bullet holes seem to match up perfectly with his eyes. I don't think bullet holes make holes like that either. I think they'd tear through the fabric. <laughs> and, like, they wouldn't necessarily make a hole. But regardless, regardless, it seems... Uh, yeah, and apparently when you put this little mask on, no one can tell who you are. <laughs> no one recognises you. You only need to cover 20% of your face yeah. to be in indiscoverable. Yeah. But there's a bit of a debate between Tonto and the Lone Ranger as to whether this mask is necessary. Like, the Lone Ranger doesn't even want to wear it. <laughs> so, like, the, the Tonto sort of is like, Mum, he's sort of like, make sure you wear your mask before you go out today. No, I'm fine without the mask, Mum. <laughs> he comes home and he's caught a cold. I told you to wear the mask. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the Lone Ranger's sort of cool, but a little naive. Yeah, he's very idealistic. He believes in the law and justice, but he's in sort of the Wild West, basically, hmm. where things run a little bit differently. So I guess that's part of his character, trying to balance uh, violence and guns and outlaws with with the ideals of trying to process someone through the judicial system, which isn't really that easy to do in the Wild West. Hmm. Now, he's also in love with a girl, who, now, I was asleep for a bit of the movie at this point, so you, <laughs> you're going to need to fill me in. So is this his um, brother's wife. Is that the story? Have I picked that up correctly? Yeah. This was an 11.30 a.m. show. <laughs> it's not like we went to the, you know, 10 p.m. and Matt had had a long day. Matt can really fall asleep during any movie. It's... This is a long movie. This is a long movie. You fell asleep like 20 minutes in. I was tired. Okay. I couldn't sleep the night before. I had an early start that morning. Yeah. So I actually found this a little bit confusing, even though I was awake for the whole film. Oh, yeah. But there is a girl that he obviously likes. He has a picture of her in this book of his. And I thought that they were together they're being reunited but then apparently they hadn't seen each other in nine years and she was with his brother so i don't know whether he liked her but they had never been together and she just ended up with his brother mm. or they had been together but then he left and so then they they split up and she ended up with his brother mm. like i actually thought there might have been a thing with the the kid or there was actually his kid mm. but that wasn't really addressed so so it is a bit strange. There's this kind of love story, but it's with someone he's not actually with. Mm. I'll just quickly say that the actress, Ruth Wilson, is in the show Luther. And I think she's great Oh, in that. she's, yeah, from Luther. Plays this sociopathic serial killer. She's great. And in this, she's sort of just a damsel in distress. Mm. So I was excited to see her in a big film, but she didn't really get the meatiest role uh, I thought she was enjoy. really cute in this. 
Oh, she's definitely a lot less scary in this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Cuter oh, in yeah. this than in Luther, for sure. I thought she was really sweet and cute and, yeah. <laughs> I'd go out with her. <laughs> we'll see if there's any contact details on IMDb. <laughs> I think you need IMD Pro for that. <laughs> Another thing to add to the list of screen verdict Kickstarters. <laughs> Pay for our IMDb Pro account so Matt can... Uh, Ask Ruth Wilson out on a date. <laughs> I said I'd go out with her. I didn't say I'm going to ask her out. <laughs> I'm not desperate. She's yeah, if she me. was interested, I'd, I'd, I'd go out. <laughs> so let's talk about Tonto for a bit, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably the most controversial character in the movie. Um, one of the big criticisms is the film is racist and largely because, if not only because, they hired Johnny Depp to play this Native American Indian character. Um, and, and I guess not just picking Johnny Depp, but the way he portrays that character. I guess let's, in this little section, make our own screen verdict. Do we think this is a racist performance? Like, what do we think here? Is the question about him being cast in the first place or how he played it? Let's, let's, let's tackle both. In regards to the first one, I think I heard that Johnny Depp is actually part Native American. I'm sure it's a very small percentage, yeah. but I think that probably helps him out a little bit. Mm. My immediate reaction was I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't think that was necessarily a bad thing. In terms of how he plays it, it is a little bit goofy at times, but some of the film is supposed to be comedic, and it's not as though all Native Americans are portrayed like that. There are Native Americans in the film that think he is goofy mm. as well. Yeah. So, my screen verdict, not racist. I was thinking about this and what I was going to give it, and then I thought, it's probably as a white man, not my place to be. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped me in it so hard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the classic <laughs> Matt Noble trap. <laughs> How to make the other white guy look racist. Well played, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Tonto, <laughs> what do we think of Johnny Depp in the film? Um... Yeah, I get. Where does he get all his bird seed from? Like every scene, he's like chucking like handfuls of bird seed at this dead bird on his head. Where is he getting all this from? Like they're out in the desert. Where like there's heaps of bird seed around the place. <laughs> I don't know. I pre- presume he carries it on him. He stocks up on a good supply of bird seed whenever he finds it. Where he finds it, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Hmm. Maybe the bird seed shop hmm. every. 200 miles in the desert. Mm. You can get some uh, water, shelter, and birdseed. Yeah. Perhaps. Did you like him, though? Did you think he was funny? Did you think he was an interesting character? I... Yeah. Hit and miss. In times, he was sort of like, knew what was up. Like, sort of when the Lone Ranger didn't. But... He was a bit, like, silly... It was quite silly. Did you think he was playing a very Jack Sparrowy sort of character? A lot of his facial expressions and things, like the hmm, yeah, were you're like, oh, it's just John- Johnny Depp. 
Like, I didn't yeah. really think, oh, is, this is the famous character of Tonto. Mm. I just thought, that's Johnny Depp. Yeah. Did someone say that Tim Burton was directing this movie? Like, did just, like, Johnny Depp and Helen Bonham Carter rock up thinking this was, like... <laughs> <laughs> so where's Tim Burton? Like, <laughs> I know this is how he likes it done. Yeah. Let's churn that out. Yeah. I did find him funny at times, though. Hmm. I think the problem was some of the funny bits worked because it was in the right context and some of the jokes seemed very out of place. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of problem with tone in this yeah. film. Mm. Yeah. Well, there was an Indian massacre in this film which seemed a huge, like, out of the tone of the whole rest of the film. Like, the camera's just panning across all these dead Indian bodies. Where it seems like outside of that, it's just meant to be a fun film. Yeah, when it jumps between sort of emotional character things and then just goofy comedy, seems a little bit weird. Then when it jumps to something that's actually genuinely dark, yeah, seems very yeah. awkward indeed. And I'd say maybe that's where the film gets... Maybe not racist, but the closest to just insensitive. Because you're putting this very heavy... Like, it's a bit more complicated than this, but, like, genocide-type thing where you just got all these, like, dead Indians and... Uh, or you got all these just dead Native Americans and sort of in the middle of this sort of family comedy sort of film. Like, that's where I think it really gets to the insensitive side. It, it's not as though it treated that comedically, though. No, no, no. It's just that it then jumped to something comedic quite soon after. And there was something quite comedic right before. Mm. You know, so just right in the middle of these two jokes having... Maybe not treating that with the weight that something like that on screen should deserve. So that I think that was a real misstep. And not really necessary to the film either. Mm. So I guess those are our two leads. Mm-hmm. I guess the good guys in a way. Yes. A bad guy, Butch Cavendish. Yeah, I thought he was a good bad guy. He I was, like... He's a good actor. What's it... William Fitchner. He he's great. He was the second best on prison break, <laughs> I would say, right behind um T Bag. Yeah. Right behind T Bag on, on Prison Break. He was great on that. He guest starred on the West Wing and he was good in that too. Like he's always he's always great, William Fitchner. So I guess his thing as a bad guy is he takes things from people. He might cut out their heart or and eat it. Yeah, it was gross. I thought that was great. I thought they perhaps could have focused on that a bit more. Yeah. Give a little bit more time to the bad guy. Because that yeah. way you care a bit more about the back and forth and when he gets away. And there was a little bit of tying that into kind of the Tonto's view of, you know, spirits and things. Him eating people. Him being this mm. Windigo or whatever it was. The, this bad guy. I thought they could have perhaps explored that a little bit more. Because I found that quite interesting. Yeah, and look, like, he's a bad guy. Like, yeah. for a... I don't sure if this is a family film. It definitely seems like one for most of the film and definitely from posters and things. He's so creepy. Like, he rips out a guy's heart. He... Uh, you don't see it all on screen, but, like, just the thought of that, like, his bloody hand. Um, he threatens to, like, rape the main girl in the film a couple of times. Like, that's pretty intense for a villain on in a film like this. Mm. So, but, but it just made him really creepy and evil and, yeah, you like a really good villain. I think it was great. 
So I guess a lot of the story revolves around trains. Yes. This is 18-something-something. Something. The big thing at the time is getting all these train tracks down. You've got this railway, hmm. so you can transport things from one side of the country to the other. The whole United States united by the train lane. Mm-hmm. And so there's obviously a lot of power and money mm-hmm. involved in like who controls that yeah. train lane. Mm-hmm. Also a reason to have about 80% of your action scenes uh, on trains or trains crashing. Yes. Now, unfortunately, I've been to America recently and tried to get around in the South on trains. And the state of their railroad is not very good at the moment. Really? Seems like their infrastructure in the South on rail and things like New York's, the subway works brilliantly. But, you know, I, I tried to get to like small towns in Georgia and things like that when I was over there. It was nearly so, impossible. Is that because there's too many shootouts? Does the, the train crash too often because yeah. of all these Wild West shenanigans? I wouldn't be surprised if that was a factor. Uh, (laughs) I think it's just sort of infrastructure and government spending and the whole sort of debates they've got over there regarding that, which is a bit boring for this podcast to go into. But um, So did we like these train-based action sequences? Um, Yes. There's one at the end that is really long, really ridiculous, but... I loved it. <laughs> I had so much fun watching that. Them jumping from train to train and climbing up ladders on trains and jumping from horses off trains and like just I found that so entertaining and so much fun. I thought perhaps there was a bit too much of them or similar things that happened over in the film, but if you compare these sequences to other action scenes on trains, maybe the start of The Last Bond, mm. I thought these were more entertaining. Yeah. The earlier ones maybe weren't as... The final one was great. I loved everything about that final one. I just thought it was... And, and the more ridiculous it got, the more fun it got, because you sort of buy into this. This isn't a serious film. This is a ridiculous film. <laughs> and I, I like that. So now on to one of our weekly segments, What Has Blank Taught Us? This week, what has the Lone Ranger taught us? Mm. Matt, what has it taught you? Well, it's taught me that some horses can either fly or jump really high or, like, climb up walls. Because this horse that they've got (laughs) just, like, appears, like, in the most bizarre places, and they never explain why. But they're the only... What I just said were the only ways you could explain where that horse was getting. (laughs) There was... One in particular that was very bizarre, and I I, <laughs> I don't think you were paying it that much attention. You looked away, or maybe you just woke up from being asleep, <laughs> and you I remember you looked at the screen and looked at this bizarre horse shot, and you were just like, what the f-? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that now. Okay, Jonathan, what has the Lone Ranger taught you? Well, the Lone Ranger has taught me that uh, if I ever lose a limb, uh, touch wood that I do not lose a limb, but if I do, I'm going to have it replaced with ivory. Because we've seen in other things, uh, say Arrested Development, where Buster loses his hand. Uh, His fake hand freaks people out a bit. People do not like Buster's fake hand. But uh, Helena Bottom Carter has an ivory leg in this 
and everybody wants to touch it. They think the ivory leg is great. So if I do ever lose a limb, uh, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get an ivory limb attached. Okay, okay. okay. Is there a chance that I, ivory limbs are really attractive just to guys though? Are you gonna have a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of guys wanting to? Hey, can I touch your arm? <laughs> can I touch it? Can I run my hand up that? Um, I, I feel like ivory is perhaps a little bit less sort of like politically, socially acceptable these days as well. Yeah, you're like, man, I had like four elephants killed for this baby. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know why the guys are asking to touch the other limb. <laughs> that's why. That's if I I probably wouldn't ask to touch a girl's leg, but um, if I would, I'd probably ask to touch a real one, not her ivory one. Well, if I get an ivory leg, you can touch it, Matt. I'm right. So, <laughs> should we give this a verdict? Okay, my screen verdict on The Lone Ranger. In some ways, this is a fun film. There's some good action sequences. It can be quite funny at times, but it has a real problem with tone. It's very silly. At some points, it's very cheesy. Some points are quite dark, which don't really fit in with the film. And at some points, I just thought it was dumb. I was like, this is a dumb film. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which is okay over a certain period of time, uh, especially if you could trim some of that. But it's two and a half hours long. Yes. Now, we, we ramble on about films being too long. It's almost a bit of a... Yeah, it's kind of a joke. But yeah. really, I think there is actually a problem in Hollywood at the moment with films being too long. Yeah. A film like this, which is supposed to be somewhat family-oriented, fun, perhaps a little light-hearted, tongue-in-cheek at times... There's just no excuse for it running two and a half hours long. Mm. I think it could have been improved greatly if it was trimmed quite a lot. And things like the narration and with the the kid and the exhibit at the start cutting in and out of that, I thought that was just kind of lazy writing. I think it just helped them do certain things. But really, it sort of took me out of the film and just made the film longer. Mm. So in some ways I'm disappointed because I think the film had a bit more potential. But in some ways I enjoyed it because of the the bad mm. expectation worst film of all time it's not the worst film of all the time of all time it's reasonably watchable i'm gonna give it a six out of ten okay the lone ranger there's some real problems with this film <laughs> the length is the probably first up and i think the other problems would have been addressed if they'd addressed that first problem i think you know a lot of the problems are the things that slow down the film. I think that the tone with some of that heavy stuff with the Native Americans was insensitive, to say the least. Um, I, I think the whole dynamic of the kid and the old Indian, old Tonto talking to each other was unnecessary, slowed down the film, was bad. Um, and I think bits of it just really, really dragged and. You know, the, I guess this is the problem, maybe, when you spend $250 million on a movie, you don't want to cut anything. You're like, oh, that scene cost $20 million. Like, <laughs> we can't cut that. Like, I don't know. The irony is you can't make as much money back, I would assume, because you can't put as many sessions in the day from cinemas. <laughs> so you kind of... I don't really know how the business works with, with ticket sales, but I would imagine this actually hurts their box office because they can't have as much turnover with people seeing The Lone Ranger. But anyway... So I, I think disaster on a lot of fronts. But that action scene at the end was so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun watching that. I, I was enjoying that a lot more than I'd enjoyed anything in The Man of Steel the week before. Oh. So um, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Housekeeping. We're here. 
Now, it was our anniversary last week. Jonathan got me a very touching gift of photos of him, me, and all our favourite people that we've talked about on the podcast. <laughs> the um, Screen Verdict Bunch. The Screen Verdict Bunch. It's great. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I had forgotten to get him a gift for the anniversary. You had, past tense. Mm. You had forgotten. Yes. But, um, so I said I'd get him one for this episode to make it up. Unfortunately, due to podcasting scheduling, <laughs> I didn't realise we were doing today's podcast. I know we had talked about doing it on Wednesday, so I'm not completely saying it's out of, out of my hands. But I did not realise we were recording it today until right before Jonathan popped around. <laughs> so I know what I'm getting you. It's at the shops, but I haven't bought it yet. So I'm sorry again, Jonathan. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry. That is okay, Matt. I'm sure what you've got me is a great present. Uh, I know the shops are, are keeping it safe for me. Well, I haven't reserved it, so <laughs> someone else could be buying it right now. <laughs> They're going to have a rush of these. I just feel like this might be giving me a little bit more arguing power the next time we do a rank. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. If we disagree on a placing, I'm just going to give you that look that says anniversary gift. Yeah. And... uh that's going to board, bump Boardwalk Empire up a few places. Yeah. Come the Screen Verdict Awards. Oh, no. So, oh, no. So, I teased this, I think, in our last podcast, but uh, a bit of a treat, a new segment for our housekeeping. Me reading mean things people have said about me on the internet. And this could be a <laughs> good punishment. Most of yeah. them have been me just bitching yeah, yeah. about Matt not getting me a present. <laughs> so, as we might know, for uh, a work I do for another website, I do some interviews with with celebrities, with um, with people on TV, some of the shows we talk about on the screen verdict, and um, I did a chat with uh, Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones, right? Marjorie Terrell, Marjorie, one of our favourite, one of yeah. our favorite. She was in the running for our uh, MVP of the season, and it was a lot of fun talking with her. But unfortunately, we do the chats try this thing called Google Hangout. Sometimes there's a bit of glitch and it crosses to my face while she's talking. Okay. Some of the Game of Thrones fans do not take kindly to this collection <laughs> of you hangouts. So, I'm gonna, Jimmy Kimmel does this sometimes. He gets celebrities to read out mean tweets about them. So, I'm going to read out some mean YouTube comments about me. Here's a mean one about Natalie Dormer. She has a crooked mouth and her eyes are too wide apart. She looks like a chihuahua. Yeah, so she's probably like, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of niceness about that too. Here's one, okay, this isn't that mean, but download Goblin. I've never seen a near-perfectly square face before. <laughs> well, at least it's a perfect square. Yeah. At least it wasn't, I've never seen a horribly square face before. AJ Bruno, how did you get to interview her? You seem like some random guy. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? Yeah. <laughs> We're all just random people on this random planet, man. <laughs> okay. Fries from uh, Pen and Bruiser. Show more of Natalie and less of yourself, you smug bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I Widley Scuds says, Why is it showing his face at all? Does this guy think we give a shit about him? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Um. <laughs> Okay, silly0981. His hair looks like he just got out of bed. WTF? <laughs> to be fair, had you just gotten out of bed? 
Uh, I can't remember the time I did that interview. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> Matt, Matt might not have just gotten out of bed. He probably just fell asleep during the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Paulie Mc. Shit, is that Stan from American Dad? <laughs> I guess that's not so bad. No, I don't either. Okay, Geek Furious. Why would we want to see a gorgeous woman when we can look at what that other thing is? <laughs> Just from his username alone, you know, this is a likeable guy. Yeah. Okay, Zal the... I'm trying to jerk off to that woman, but some ugly dude keeps appearing on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that guy is trying to jerk off to a YouTube interview with Natalie Dormer, you can't. You probably feel like you've done something good for the world if you've interrupted that. If yeah. you're just like disrupting this, I think Natalie Dormer. Yeah, I think Natalie Dormer would appreciate. It. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, um, there you go. Some mean things people have said about me on the internet. Well, you can consider yourself a celebrity now, Matt. Yeah. For all the right reasons. Yes. <laughs> and to be fair, some people said some nice things on that video as well, and I, I really appreciate them, but they're, they're not funny to read out. And some people, some people even come in to defend me on the, <laughs> on the, on the thing. He's the reason we have a 40-minute interview with Natalie. I can tell your parents didn't teach you manners. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Connor Munford. Connor Munford, in my court. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so, yes, very, very good, guys. Um, oh, man, you should have seen, and maybe this, we can do this another week, should have seen the response that I got for accidentally getting the name of a character wrong to Nikolai <laughs> Kostar-Waldau in, in my interview with him from Game of Thrones. Um, They're a passionate bunch, the yeah, Game of they Thrones do, They are, they are. <laughs> All right, I think that's a wrap on this week's podcast. Sure thing. Next week. Something. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling. If nothing better comes up, we'll might do that new Ryan Gosling movie. <laughs> but until then, ha-ho, Silver! Don't do that again. Ha-ha-ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the movie! <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs>